Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We are here to help you grow your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. And every day that life gets better (laughs) and better. And some days it really sucks, but usually it keeps getting better. (laughs) Well, good. We have a guest who will probably agree with both of those tables in a second. But it is nice to be able to... Pick your schedule. Yes. Just know that if you take Thursday and Friday off, you better backfill that sales funnel. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of funnels. Yes. I think that our next guest would be familiar with funnel cakes. Yes. Because they're served at NASCAR events. <laughs> that was yes. a stretch. That was a stretch. Eh, but. Not as far as you think sometimes. Yeah, the we smaller have a very, it would be a very, 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 very special guest, the one, the only, Mr. David Smith. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. We're excited to have you because um, usually I have kindred spirits on the show <laughs> that I feel like I have a ton in common with, and this time it's you and Mike that yes. have a lot in common, oh, and yeah. I'm the odd man out because the only thing that I know about NASCAR racing is that crashes are fun. And, um, oh, no. <laughs> and I would love to go to a race at some point just for the people watching. NASCAR is a, a feel and experience sport. When you're down on pit road or on the infield and you can feel and hear and smell the cars go by, it changes your appreciation of the sport. And I didn't know that till I started working at Daytona and I was down in the infield. It's like, oh, this is a whole different world down here. Would you agree on that, David? Yeah, I think so. And it's, you know, I was always a fan growing up, but when I started working in the sport and especially seeing sort of the, the evolution of team building, uh, the sort of the good old boy and mechanics went by the wayside, maybe in the mid nineties. And it very quickly became an engineering first mindset. And there's a lot of money being pushed into the sport, but (laughs) all that money uh, bred innovation. So, you know, now we have uh, Stuart Haas racing in Kannapolis, North Carolina has a formula one team on its campus. They have the continents only rolling road wind tunnel. Uh, you have the different manufacturers. What the with, heck is a rolling road wind tunnel? It can, it can simulate any track profile, however a track feels, uh, how it's banked. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it just changes, um, based on the dynamic they need it to. That's and so cool. It is. Yeah. It, this, the, the sport has become increasingly futuristic to a point that one of the hot subjects this week was uh, the defending champion, Kyle Busch, was eliminated from the playoffs, uh, very early in the playoffs. And the the chief reason why is because him and his crew chief, his crew chief was very good at building fast race cars. But this season in NASCAR, it has not been speed that has been uh, dictating wins and success it has been uh, something called track position where you're going to base an entire race strategy a pit strategy when you take fuel how you take tires um, and that and it's boosting slower cars up the running order so the defending champ with the fastest car was getting very frustrated and there's a trouble of brewing for that team going into next year and that's something that they're going to have to rectify if they want to even survive in this sport and 
that won't make every NASCAR fan unhappy. The Kyle Busch did not advance, but that's not. We're not here to talk NASCAR today. We'll be. It'll be a involving NASCAR. But David is a wonderful story. So full disclosure here. I've known David since I think 2000 at least, probably 1999, when my family moved to Daytona. David's father, Hardy, was coaching an AAU team through Embry-Riddle University. And Hardy and I met, and he asked me to you know, become one of the assistant coaches. So David played on the team, my oldest son Travis played on the team, and Cameron played on the team. So we've known the Smith family for years. Uh, and I hope your dad's listening to this. Your dad, one of the finest people walking the planet. I've just yeah. one of my one of my favorite all time people, and just as good a dude as there is walking the planet. So, but David's story is 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 unbelievable at times where he is today, because he started scouting drivers that weren't even in NASCAR. They're running these little tiny local tracks that either you knew about or never heard of. There was no middle ground. And you started your version of scouting, much like all these college football and college basketball services, you know, Mel Kuyper, uh, you know, for the NFL, looking at college guys, these college guys looking at high school guys, stuff like that. You started this for, to find the drivers. You started ranking them every week. And then how long did it take before car owners at different levels started calling you to get your information on these drivers. Yeah, that, that was the, um, the original website, David Smith motorsports.com. Um, it was maybe two years, uh, before, um, job offers started, uh, rolling in and, and I had been making contacts at the time there was, uh, a touch and go period. And this was all out of my, my dorm room in college, but yeah. there was a touch and go period where I was seriously considering leaving for, um, an internship that could have become a job traveling with, uh, Chip Ganassi racing. And that didn't materialize, but I had done enough networking, um, during that time that, uh, eventually, um, hit upon uh, a, a sports agency in Daytona, uh, Sullivan Worldwide Marketing Group. Um, Greg Sullivan was a gentleman who uh, pitched the deal uh, for on behalf of NASCAR for Nextel and Sprint. And, uh, and um, let me say, I love that talk to push to talk Nextel phone. I was a, <laughs> I, I was one of the few I know. Beep, beep. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I was a big fan of that. It was so easy to use. Yeah. And, and that was, uh, that's actually what helped him build his small, uh, small business. So worked, uh, worked through him to sort of understand the, the inner workings of the sport from, from that regard. But on the scouting side, eventually it was an agency in the Charlotte area, Motorsports Management International that contacted me, asked to be part of their, uh, their scouting staff and from there, um, moved to Charlotte uh, in right before the 2007 NASCAR season. And I would say maybe two and a half straight years, I spent every weekend in a different city, uh, just a different short track, uh, watching young race car drivers, uh, sitting through all weather conditions, rooting for no red flags to stop the race. <laughs> um, but that was it. I mean, it was, it was a long hunt, but I, I built my network from there. Uh, I scouted for, for 13 years. I didn't, I didn't travel for that long, but I had built a network that was reliable enough 
um, and eventually a, um, a statistical system that was reliable enough to help me carry on scouting from afar. What I liked about it is you did two things. One is you started. Yeah. You just started. And yeah. you weathered through like two years of, I don't know with, where this is going to go because I don't believe you're making any money from it yet in those first two years. But I love, we like letting people know that stories like this can happen. You have a passion, yeah. you have a dream. You're like, you know what? I want to do something in that field. Let me see if I can create something. Yeah, and I think it was it was that passion. It was, it was the wanting to be in the field that pushed me to be better within it. Uh, the, the scouting very early on was, as you said, I mean, it was, it was subjective, but I was hanging five-star, four-star and, and naming <laughs> prospects that way. Um, and then it wasn't until I had a job with an agency and I was, I was the only 22 year old scout. Everyone else was 40 or older. And there was never realistically any way I was going to compete with the difference in experience in that room. But I wanted to be good at the job and I wanted my voice to be heard. So uh, one of the things I did, I was a, a, a big fan of, of basketball, still am. Uh, John Hollinger was writing for ESPN.com at the time, and he was heavy into statistical analysis in evaluating NBA players. So that was the impetus for sort of diving headfirst into stats and analysis. Uh, this was around the time in the mid two thousands when NASCAR was applying scoring loops mm -hmm. um, around different racetracks. Now it's just based on GPS data, but it's collecting every yeah. movement, uh, every pass that you can't see with your own eyes, every jostle for position it's counted. Um, and at the time, no one had really utilized that to evaluate young drivers uh, so I took that on and the, the whole, um, what I have created now, um, which is a hub for, for stats and analysis was purely built on selfishness and just wanting to be a better scout within the agency that I was working with. And I think that's, that's what took place. Have we lost you yet? No, <laughs> I, I was just trying to figure out how you monetized that. So very early on, um, davidsmithmotorsports.com, I was uh, writing articles and I placed everything behind a paywall. Uh, eventually, that website evolved into motorsportsanalytics.com and I kept the paywall up. Um, I knew that this would, would probably prevent me growing a following if I, have it, if I had offered free uh, scouting tips or free articles. Yeah. I'm going to have more people reading it, but I was not going to be compensated for my time. And for me personally, the most valuable currency in the world is time because mm -hmm. you can't ever get it back once it's gone. True. And that was our I, podcast. We just taped was, was getting time. Week. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and for, and you know, for me, it, it it, there, there, it, it means so much to me. I, I have to be compensated for it. I'm pretty thorough. Um, as Mike knows, I, I used to be thorough with videotape watching for oh, youth yeah. basketball. I'm equally as thorough in watching NASCAR races. I'll watch a race, um, up to three times in the span of a week after it happens. Um, and that, that isn't easy. That's not, you have to, you have to do, you know, build a, your life around it to, to make sure that it fits. Um, so it was important for me to establish that I was 
a paid writer, a paid analyst, and that's continued. Um, my Everything that I have done has been monetized in some form or fashion. The following has grown since then, but most importantly, uh, if I'm going to um, uh, an outlet where I can potentially contribute, they realize they're talking to someone who is a monetized writer and that has never been uh, a point of concern for me. That's awesome. I know you got questions. I know you got, well, so Jeff I, Gordon's retired just so you know, so okay. you don't have to ask David how he's doing <laughs> this year. Okay. <laughs> that might be the only person's name that I would even recognize when it comes to the sport. Well, and it doesn't help David. The Trinity is just horrible at pop culture. So I knew NASCAR. Oh, she's probably not going to yeah. know many people. So. No, that's, a, that's all right. Uh, Jeff Gordon, cars, by the way, I think he was fine. Room. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be, he'll do, yeah, he'll, he'll do yeah. fine. Yeah. He's, he doesn't have a revenue problem. He's, he's got a, he's got a bank account. He's good. He's oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who are some of the celebrities in some of these races Trinity might've heard of that we've the Rolex and stuff like that, that you've come across? Oh yeah. For the Rolex. Yeah. Um, no, the who's the the doctor uh, Patrick Dempsey? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I know who that is. Yeah. See, now he's we've actually got a an, show. an avid an avid sports car racer. Really? You know who yeah. else ran in the Rolex when I moved to Daytona was Paul Newman. Like from Newman's, own? The, like the Sting, like the, Paul Newman, the actor. Oh, oh yeah. Not, I don't know who that is. Dude, she knows him from the salad dressing. Dude, yes. really? Oh yeah. gosh. That's, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you had to hear that. Uh, <laughs> You and Scott read the sting this weekend. Robert Redford, have you heard of him? Yes. Okay. Good yeah. movie. Heard of good, him. Good. Seriously good movie. So, but yeah, so there's good, some celebrities. Like, good back in the day when you oh, were young no. or like still good. It's a con. They're they're playing a con the whole movie and it is excellent. Did you just give away the whole movie to me? No, I said they played a con. Okay. I didn't tell you how it ended. Okay. But Newman and Redford are very good. So but yeah, so there were some celebrities in racing. <laughs> she knows Patrick Dempsey, but not Paul Newman. I love that. Well, look, that's all right. <laughs> N- Newman, the more successful driver of the two. Uh Paul Newman was a Rolex twenty four winner. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Driving oh, yeah. for Jack Roush. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I only know him from the salad dressing, so you're welcome. Do you like the salad dressings? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I've ever had them. i just familiar with the commercials. Yeah, okay. All right. So what you got for David? Well, <laughs> God. <laughs> now I feel like I need to go do some studying on some pop culture. and. Some... It's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. No? You're not going to. Okay. You're not okay. interested in it. David, you're so yes. cute. I have a well, very, I, appreciate that. I have such a, I have such an important question for you. It's been driving me crazy. I wish that our listeners could see your background because okay. I, I like the wood, uh, whatever yeah. you got going on, but what is this little, um, mariachi skeleton? Yeah, it's a Mexican, uh, Mexican, uh, sugar skull skeleton. Oh, any, yeah, any, just playing a mariachi. Okay. Any meaning behind it? Or? I, so my uh, my podcast partner Alan Kavana and I, uh, in addition to the podcast, mm-hmm. we create two minute videos every weekend in advance of a NASCAR race, and every weekend I switch out the thing in that spot. So it's a different object every week, oh. and I don't even think a discerning eye has caught it or has asked. Sometimes it's a diecast race car. That's my partner right here. <laughs> yeah. So- oh yeah. Some, sometimes yeah. it's something, uh, something crazy. I've got, I, I do like Mexican sugar skulls. Yeah. I've got a potted plant where the pot is a Mexican Mex- sugar skull that I put awesome. up there. Yeah. So I just, I do that just okay. to keep it, uh, keep it lively. 
Well, it like worked it. today, yeah. It worked, because I can't stop. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what is that? And why yeah. is it yeah. there? And it's, from, it's from Mexico. Okay. Well, there you go. I had a, yeah, go. I had a coworker uh, bring it back for me uh, from, a, from a previous job, and I've kept it. That's yeah. awesome. It, it before, it, it's not from, um, yeah. what was what's that place? Uh, south of the border. The board, yeah, south of the border. <laughs> no, no, no. 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 We're, hey, we, he, we keep it authentic He's here. big time. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he, he's, he's the major leagues now. So. Now, 20 years ago, it's from south yeah. of the border. Now that the really important question <laughs> yeah. is out of the way, we can get to the... Well, before you get to that, we oh. do want to mention David's podcast is called Positive regression yes all right so go check oh, that out okay time out because that that's oh that's your kind of i have no idea what a positive regression is and i feel like i need to know well, what but this you is know about. what category that falls into what mind, did you mind job? no what time no? did you what did you talk about today on our uh mastermind group um pattern, pattern interrupt. interrupt yeah right Positive regression? It's a positive, yeah, it's a pattern interrupt because I don't know what it is. She loves pattern wanna, interrupts, yes. I well, it's an know. oxymoron for one. It's You you can either regress or progress. Right. There is no positive regression, but it's, it is a term that is thrown around in evaluation. And I'll put it in a, in a NASCAR sense. If a driver is overachieving one year, then he would regress the next year. And then the flip side to that, is if a driver is underachieving based on the expectation mm -hmm. next season, positive regression, even though that's not really the the proper term you use. But for us, it makes sense. We're okay. that kind of podcast. Well, you okay. know why they underachieve. So it's, about, so it's a podcast about racing. It is. We, we call it the, the NASCAR podcast for the thinking fan. And uh, my, my co-host, Alan Kavana is one of the reporters on pit road for Fox sports when they broadcast the NASCAR truck series. Oh. And we're, we are of similar age, similar mind. And, and we do like to keep our podcast, uh, both intelligent and quirky, but also we don't want anything to do with what is a stereotypical NASCAR podcast or production. Um, and a good, a good example of that was, uh, last year during the NASCAR playoffs, uh, Mike, you may remember this, a fight broke out after the Martinsville race, uh, Joey Logano's crew member tried to fight Denny Hamlin. And while that was big on social media and was the talk of the, uh, the town, the industry for an entire week, uh, both Alan and I knew that, yeah, that's not for us. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna discuss something else that absolutely fits within our niche and fits with what we do um, because we have, we have built this and we've, we've built our audience. Um, that audience has become a little something of a community that I'm pretty proud of, but it's, uh, it is the intelligent, inquisitive NASCAR fan uh, of which there are many, but you wouldn't have known that because they're prior to us, there weren't uh, many, if not any at all, um, shows that spoke directly to them. And we've learned through uh, some of the, the demographic uh, studies that we've done that they are uh, on average more educated, more affluent, uh, and younger than the, the average NASCAR fan. So we feel that we are speaking directly to a very specific type of NASCAR fan when we, uh, we do our podcast. That's pretty cool. Um, I've never heard of a NASCAR podcast. 
I no. mean, I'm sure that I knew that it might have existed, but definitely not the nerdy NASCAR podcast. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I love stats and numbers. So um, I think if I were going to listen to one, that would be the one that I would want to listen to. And that's where a lot of sports are going is towards the analytics. Correctly used, they're invaluable. If you base it just on that, you sometimes don't get the whole picture, correct? Yeah. So I've, I've told uh, folks, you know, the, the, they'll, they'll point to analytics and say numbers never lie. And I'll say, Oh no, they can lie. (laughs) Uh, That it depends on the analyst. And, and that's, uh, that's where I get the most joy out of doing this. It isn't staring at spreadsheets and simply pointing to that it's reading the number and then trying to do the forensics of it. Mm-hmm. You have to understand how that number came to be. That is the story. And that is the analysis that you're providing. So for me, the, the number isn't, it's not something that I point to and is the end all be all. The number is the beginning of the conversation. And that's, that's how I build everything uh, to do with my, my analysis and evaluation of all these drivers is, okay, we understand the numbers, whether it's good or bad. Now we have to understand how it came to be. The story is the why. Why yeah. is why is the number seven? Yeah, yeah, and and that's and that's what keeps folks coming back, yeah. right? Because I don't. Uh, there are there are great statistical reference sites for every sport. That isn't what I want to be. That's that's not what I have an interest in doing. Uh, it's it's the analysis and the understanding of this, the study of the sport, really. Yeah that um that makes the most sense to me well as a small business owner which you are yes (laughs) officially yes yes officially small business owner what are your top three tips for other small business owners i would say one um have a niche but but also don't be afraid to have that niche evolve um you know case in point Yes, I'm a NASCAR statistical analyst, but that doesn't mean that all I have to do are statistical analyses. Um, Mikey brought we we brought the Rolex 24 earlier um, this past February. I stayed awake for 33 straight hours. I was embedded <laughs> with Team Penske, which is historically one of the yeah. the great teams in in racing, um, and I wanted to capture. The entire story of that race, I followed the drivers to their motor homes, spoke with uh, the team engineers, and in between was looking at uh, live timing and scoring data to inject what is my normal statistical analysis. But clearly, because this was a grueling effort, it was unlike any kind of statistical analysis. So having the niche, you can stay true to a niche, but, but you have to grow around it. Mm-hmm. And that was the kind of story that pushed me as a writer, a storyteller, an analyst, everything um, in the direction of growth. And, it, uh, and, and by the way, it was for sports car racing, which is a sport that while I'm familiar, I'm not intimately familiar as I am in NASCAR. So it was something that really pushed me all in to, to focus and become better. And I think I got better for that. Yeah, because um, you saw those cars twice a year, maybe. If that, yeah, yeah, um, and, and and when I went in, you know, January for the Rolex, you're bundled up and drinking your hot chocolate, yes, and you it's are. a 
it's a little, you know, little private party for you because it's just, it's just that kind of race. But this was, um, this was different. I mean, this was a, a 24 hour crash course, literally to, to understand the inner workings of what was happening in this race and what the team was doing. And oh, by the way, I had to articulate the statistical portion of this, which my readers are used to in a manner which they've never seen before. So there was still the, um, the quest to provide something new um, and fresh uh, on top of something that's, that's familiar. If you would like American motorsports racing with a flavor of Europe and F1, you and Scott one year need to rent a motorhome, grab a couple friends, like three couples, get a couple of motorhomes, uh, park in the infield for the weekend of the Rolex 24 in January in Daytona. That'll be as good a party as you've been to in a long time. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm all for a good party. Yeah, back in the day, we had a Ferris wheel in the infield. For the it's Rolex. still there. Oh yeah, Is oh, yeah the, okay, fir- the Ferris wheel's yeah. still there. Oh yeah, but yeah, that's because yeah. the when NASCAR rolls into town, it gets very crowded, mm-hmm. uh, and very corporate. And Rolex is a damn party. And it's nowhere near as many people. It goes overnight. So you could stay up all night if you wanted to, take a nap, you know, two hours every yeah. two hours, something like that. But you two would have fun in the infield. And oh. with a couple, yeah, get three couple, three, four couples and go, oh yeah, oh yeah, you'd enjoy it. I think, I mean. Don't tell Scott put that on the list for. Baby, I know you're listening. <laughs> Stick it on the list. Motorhome, Rolex. Yep. There you go. Boom. Trust. And yeah. you'll, you'll it's, th- it's not a bad time. No, and you'll thank both of us when you get yeah. home. Yes. <laughs> you'll, you'll see plenty of exotic cars as oh, well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's totally, a, um, it is a, a car scene kind of just to see and be seen kind of thing. It is, yep. it's a, it's a trippy experience. It for is. Sure. You'll enjoy so it. So if yeah. you're in the infield, is there like a tunnel to get out? Oh yeah. There's two. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I'm a little claustrophobic, so I just am trying it's, to figure out. It's a two and a half mile racetrack. There's plenty of room in the infield. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think you'll be all right. And it's you'll, open you'll, air. You'll it's be open air just too. Open air? Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no right. roof on this racetrack, so yeah. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. All right. So what else you got for him? Because I don't well, want to get too NASCAR-ish. I want to stay on the business end of it because it's a great story. It is. Yeah. Well, and I'm very intrigued because this is one of those things that I would like. When you meet somebody, and if I were to meet you at a networking event or at Mike's house for Thanksgiving one year or something, and you told me what you did, I'd be like, what? That's a thing? <laughs> like, that's a job you can actually get paid for? That's a business you can actually run? It so, is now. You, really you cool. and most other people. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, a, it's a paying job now because you made it, and that that's the why. Yeah. The, fa- the fact is, it's a paying job, but it's the why and how you got there. And that's what I love about this story and yeah. have for years. And what would you what would you say has been the biggest hurdle that you've had to get over? Ooh, that is a good question. I think I think it is it is taking something smart like statistics and trying to have a layperson understand it. Um, I have to, you know, I, I embrace my niche, but I also realize that I have to grow my audience. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I have to maybe not completely alter what I do because in some respects, if I'm, if I'm in a niche, I have to uh, understand that there are going to be some folks that I'm just never going to be able to speak to. But at the same time, I want to create future opportunities for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, a good example, 
last year I made my television debut first ever time I've been on TV. It was for local, it was for local area Fox uh, in Charlotte. They do their own pre-race show, but the things that they discuss on the pre-race show are fairly generic. Mm -hmm. uh, Even, even for NASCAR fans. So the, the puzzle of taking a smart concept, like some of the things that I do and packaging it as something that is digestible to just a casual viewing audience right. is tough. And if, if I don't, yeah, if I don't, you don't grasp, want to be speaking over their heads because yeah. they're going to be super confused. And you if have I don't three grasp minutes. how to do that, <laughs> yeah. I'm in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and I won't, and I won't be asked back to do things like this. So it's, it's having to, for me, recognize which audience I'm speaking to. I mean, you've, you've seen this, you know, if you're going to, to small business conferences or, or looking at political candidates, I mean, speeches change based on the audiences that are viewing them. Mm-hmm. But the core principles of what you're discussing stay the same. It's just the package changes. And sometimes for me, that's, that can be tough to identify. So having to speak generically about an incredibly specific subject, um, I would, I would call that my biggest hurdle. I would say that would be a pretty big one, especially making it, taking something that's incredibly cerebral and putting it in layman's terms so people can understand it and not completely get lost. Mm. Cause I mean, I know that sometimes even when I'm watching like sports center or something, I'm like, what? Huh? <laughs> I'm confused. Yeah, it's very, so, so it's important. You have to, it, it's okay to have something that is smart. But for me, I realize that my ego does not need to be a part of this. I can do some of the most brilliant NASCAR analysis ever but if the message that I'm trying to convey, if it does not resonate, then I have failed. Um, there are some really smart philosophers and smart writers that um, I think the world of, and I've read some of their books and they're pretty heady. And I, I actually kind of took that to, to think, well, if they had retailored their content to speak to a broader audience, their message would have been received by a bigger audience and understood. And I think it, that is, you know, if you're a story, storyteller, that is what you are supposed to be doing. Um, so I, I consider that a failing. So trying to, trying to adapt to that can be tricky. So David, if you were not doing stats and analytics for NASCAR, right? what would you do it for? Uh, I'd be doing stats analysis or something else. Um, the NBA, the Spurs. Um, Oh, I can only dream. Um, San Antonio or Tottenham, Mike, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter together on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's been kind of, um, one track mind for me. You know, I was one of the, um, the boys in high school who said they were going to be a general manager of a team someday. And they were, you know, they were going to win rings and and do all those sorts of things. Well, I never deviated from that track. I just kept going. And I, I know I evolved as a writer and an analyst. And I don't know if you can see behind me, but there is a ring on that wall <laughs> that, that um, I received for, for a team that I was consulting with that ended up winning Daytona. Uh, wow, so, nice. um, 
I was able to achieve kind of what I set out to do. It just, it just branched off Mm -hmm. into something else. Um, There was one day I was working for, uh, for Spire Sports and Entertainment, which is um, currently one of the bigger NASCAR agencies. Um, And a gentleman by the name of Lenny Batiki, who um, was actually in in Mike's role, but at Gateway Raceway Mm -hmm. uh, many years ago, he was working there. And he just stopped me one day and it it was just, it was a hard day. We've, I mean, if you have, if you're working with, with young race car drivers, then you're working with driver parents and those parents can be overwhelming at times. And, um, and he stopped me and said, you know what, you don't need to be doing this. You, you need to be talking about the sport and, and sharing the things that you know, because you'll be able to build an audience. And that was for me, a pivot point. That's what, led me into refurbishing my website, motorsportsanalytics.com um, and, and going down this path. Um, and I appreciate that. It's led me to, I, I never imagined that I'd be writing for, you know, Washington Post and Sports Illustrated and um, The Athletic and, and now for, for Forbes uh, as a contributor in addition to my work on motorsports analytics. Atlantic um, high school would, grad makes good. Right? I would say it's, yeah, I would say it's been, uh, they could name the journalism wing after me, right? You would I, think I, it's I, a no brainer, right? I had uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, um, it was a pivot from what I was on, but the focus never, never really altered much. But you process that information. It's one thing to listen to somebody say that. And then yeah. did I process it? And you obviously did. Yeah, it's, it's, it it's a hard realization to kind of understand what the ceiling was. And at the time that was when, you know, post recession NASCAR was, was hit pretty hard. When I first got hired by an agency in the Charlotte area, um, the economy was good uh, and driver development, which meant teams were signing young drivers on their own and, taking them up the ladder and, and trying to create stars out of them. That was a regular thing. So scouts were a necessity. Um, it, post-recession, scouts were no longer a necessity because teams were asking these young drivers to find money on their own. And the, the opportunities dried up and it got, it got really stressful. I was never uh, fired or laid off uh, for many of these agencies, uh, thankfully, because I was able to wear different hats. I was able to write press releases and build websites and, um, run uh, communications training, um, in addition to the scouting, but, uh, there were some, there were some hairy and stressful times. And this was a colleague of mine that I, I hold dear. I still talk to him to this day. Um, they just saw maybe not a way out, but an opportunity far past the one that I had. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad that he had that foresight, uh, because he was right. If I'm, if I'm going to, uh, have a future in the sport, it's going to be, have to, uh, have to be one that I create myself Mm -hmm. and no one else is, is really blazing the trail for what I do. I just have to take it a day at a time and, and create something new and eventually, uh, the, you know, big pot of gold at the end. Which is pretty cool because not many people get the opportunity to blaze a trail or do something new. No, I'm, it's I'm fortunate. Rare. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and I'm, it's also awesome because you can't really, you can't F it up because it's never been done before. So no matter what you do, it's, <laughs> a, it's the best thing. Yeah. No, trust me. Trust me. I've, I've F'd it up uh, plenty of <laughs> times. Yeah, there was... 
there was an opportunity um, this year during the um, the onset of COVID. Uh, my uh, freelance agreement with the athletic was uh, eliminated, and I had recognized some uh, some things that I needed to do for the home website, motorsportsanalytics.com. Um, and I took that time to do, I would estimate about three months of work refurbishing the website, making it more reader friendly, making it look like nothing NASCAR has ever seen. If you've seen the logo, there's pink, there's teal. The website has cartoons instead of photographs. Um, I don't want to spend money with a, a photography service because that's just going to kill my uh, profit margin. Mm-hmm. Um, that just doesn't make sense to do that. Um, on top of that, I, um, I've, I've written the volume one of a prospect ebook um, that features five up and coming NASCAR drivers with just a, a deep analysis and, and statistical highlights that has never been done in the sport. And I just want to see what happens what if I put it out there yeah. in the world. Um, and that's, there is no one that is going to give me an opportunity to do that except for me. So, um, if I had the time and the wherewithal to do it, uh, I might as well take the shot. Very cool. I like the, the advice you took. Um, and your dad, uh, had that same effect on me way back when I was offered the Daytona USA job. He and I had a nice conversation and it, uh, changed my trajectory, I think. So I, I'm glad people out there are paying it forward. So, oh, yeah. uh, who's the picture over your left shoulder? Uh, that is my wife, Tiffany and I with a uh, young race car driver, Logan Ruffin. Um, he, uh, uh, yeah, you may, you may have been in some fantasy, uh, yeah. baseball leagues with him, um, back in the day, but he, um, he competed in the, uh, the old USAR pro cup series and he was, he was very good. He won rookie of the year his rookie season, the other rookie was Chase Elliott. (laughs) So he was um, one of the drivers that I got closest to really working hard with him, uh, got him a development deal with Turner Motorsports. And um, eventually the the money ran out and he couldn't continue past that, but he's doing fine now. He works for Coca-Cola uh, and is also uh, also a realtor and is married and he's, it's good, but, um, Uh, For me, that was um, a moment in time that I spent a significant amount of time traveling the series with that young fellow. And um, that was a race at New Summer Speedway where uh, Tiffany, when we were dating, um, came and and visited and uh, we got that got that picture. So I had to keep that one. Here's my connection with Chase Elliott real quick before we go. Uh, He's one of the more popular drivers on the NASCAR circuit, young kid. Back in the day when I was with the Cartoon Network, we were on the 29 car. We were never good, but we had all the Cartoon Network. We had Scooby-Doo and everybody on the hood, Mm -hmm. so all the parents wanted to buy the merchandise for the kids. So when we went to Charlotte or Daytona, I would escort a mascotted ballet dancer in the Scooby costume. And I'd take him everywhere, and we'd get pictures and all that stuff. And so we could go wherever we I could literally go wherever I wanted to with Scooby, right? And so we're down on pit road for the driver introductions. This was back in the day when Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, Bill Elliott, and all those guys, Chase Elliott's dad, Bill was one of the hot drivers back then. And here's like a three-year-old chase on his shoulder wanting to hug Scooby-Doo. So that's my connection with Chase Elliott. Oh, it means no. nothing to you, but yeah. No. So, yeah. But so the only connection I have to NASCAR is that I've been to the Charlotte Motor Speedway and it was for a rock festival. 
And who'd you see? Anybody any good? Oh, it was Carolina Rebellion. I saw like 40 different bands. Oh, okay. Really hard rock, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's, and that was it. That's yeah. the only... Yeah, yeah well, I take... But it'll you, change, because after this, you've definitely piqued my interest in... On the in, Rolex, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, David, you, you have a wonderful, I started my story story. And that's what I've always admired about that, because you... You kept at it. Like I said, you did two things right. You started and you kept at it. Yeah. And the benefits came from that. Yeah. And it, it took a lot of time. Um, it can get frustrating <laughs> at times. But if you believe in what you're doing, if you were doing it well, and if it's something you like, then keep at it. And as long as it's growing incrementally, uh, for me anyway, that was enough feedback to just keep pressing forward, uh, and still is, um, every, every podcast episode, we're getting more downloads. Every article I write is getting more views. And that is, um, that doesn't happen overnight. Um, it, it just, I know you see tweets with stories that, that seem like clickbait. That, that isn't how it works. No, nope. uh, it not. Time, it's no, just, there's it's not, no such thing as an overnight success. Um, but just incrementally, um, yep. that growth is enough feedback for me to keep going. Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me uh, on Twitter at David Smith MA. Uh, the website is motorsportsanalytics.com. And the podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcast, is Positive Regression, a motorsports analytics podcast. Awesome. And for our listeners, we appreciate you. And, you know, we love our analytics about the show. And I'm hoping that after this episode, we log on and we see that we have so many more subscribers and that you've shared us and that you've gone out and you've left us a five-star review. I'll have to boost this in the uh, NASCAR markets because <laughs> your name's good. So we're going to trade yeah. on it for a few weeks, right? <laughs> I, I hope I can help. This well, has been a blast for me, David, because like I said, well, I've, we've known each other for years and I just, I've loved the story from day one. Cause like I said, you just kept going. That's what yeah. I like best about the story. And the I've rewards, learned some nuggets. I hope you get many, but you just kept going. That's what I was so impressed with. I appreciate that. Yep. Well, this has been a blast. We can't wait till next time and we'll see you next time on the Wired Change podcast.